What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I want to discuss some of the offensive on the offensive side of the ball only for this podcast. Free agents that are set to hit um, this season's market. I want to just talk about the depth at each position and um, and talk a little bit about some of the players as well. So, at the quarterback position, um, I have here four guys that I think can, not necessarily will, but can come in and start for your team, and that's. That's pretty rare at the quarterback position to be able to acquire those guys as just street free agents, and that's what they currently are. Now, some of these guys, like Dak Prescott, for example, will probably get franchise tagged and um, take them off the you know open market to everybody, but you never know. Maybe they'll just let them walk. Who knows? But Dak Prescott is obviously the cream of the crop in this bunch. He's a young. He's a franchise quarterback coming off the injury, but I think that we can all – you know, I think most teams, if you need a quarterback, every team really, if you need a quarterback, you're, you're in the market for Dak Prescott. So you're paying very close attention to see what the Dallas Cowboys do with him. I'm sure they'll franchise tag him, but hey, like I said, Jerry Jones is a little crazy. So you never know. You definitely want to be on your toes just in case. You have to put him, at least if you're a pro personnel guy, you have to put him at least as a potential option for you, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's you know, unlikely, but you have to at least be cognizant and and have a plan in place in the event that Dak Prescott somehow, some way becomes a possible addition to your team. So <clears throat> something interesting to me is Mitchell Trubisky, right? So Trubisky, nobody likes him, right? The fans no, obviously are not crazy Mitch Trubisky fans. He's not a, you know, he's not quite your Patrick Mahomes in terms of fan love, right? So uh, that's one thing. But what he was is the second overall pick in an NFL draft. So the talent is certainly there, and if you paid any attention to the back half of this past season, Trubisky finished uh, pretty strong. He played really well. I think if Trubisky doesn't pan out, it's really in large part, or at least in, in a decent part, on the shoulders of Matt Nagy, in my opinion, because I think that he was clearly the better player over Nick Foles this past season, and excuse me, and, and Nagy went about two months of the season with Nick Foles as the starting player quarterback so that was um um, I mean I'm not I'm not taking Mitch off the hook but just you know I just think it's worth mentioning that that was a really that could have been at least a very devastating part of what uh happens in Mitch's career now a team that I'd keep an eye on for and this is just basically because of one philosophical team building uh process that Bill Belichick believes in is the New England Patriots look Trubisky a former first round pick that hasn't really panned out in his current team. Belichick had a grade on him coming out. Belichick and that whole scouting department for the New England Patriots, they had a grade on Mitch Trubisky. They knew that they were not going to be in a position to draft him, but they graded him. And, you know, it, depending on how they felt about him entering that draft, I mean, he's a guy that could potentially fit their system, right? He, he can he can get rid of the football quick. He can, he can um, you know, uh, he has a big arm. He has talent. So it's, um, you know, it's not impossible for the Patriots to be interested in him. I think his market is going to be really volatile because if a team sees him as a potential, even a like short term starter, like, all right, we're going to rely on, we're going to sign and rely on Mitch Trubisky to start in 2021. And we'll see where it goes from there. Like we may still draft one. We may still draft Mac Jones. I think that would be the combination of for a team potentially heading into 2021 is like, hey, let's sign Mitch for 16 million a year because I think it's going to cost you. I, I don't think he's going to be that cheap. 
you know, I think some people will think like, oh, you can grab him for five million bucks. No, that's not going to be his value. He's a <clears throat> he's a quarterback that was a former second overall pick in the draft. He is a guy that has talent. I mean, he has serious arm talent. Like he's not Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes arm talent, but he's he has zip on the football. Like it's it's not your average arm talent. It's better than average, right? So he has some mobility. If uh, and then to me, every I don't know, you know, this could be totally off, but just every time I've listened to him interview, I think he has a pretty strong character and and, and he has certain leadership qualities that I that I covet in the quarterback position. So who knows? You know, maybe maybe um, there will be a couple of teams that feel that way. If there are more than one, if there's more than one team that feels that way about Trubisky that he's a starter, well, his market price will be right around the. 18 to 22 million, I would say right in the Teddy Bridgewater range, right? Bridgewater obviously had more positive momentum in terms of his market heading into free agency last offseason. <clears throat> and uh, but I wouldn't say his market was necessarily all that much greater, you know, because last offseason it was a, you know, that we had the draft and we had we had some um, you know, pretty solid free agent quarterbacks hitting the market, and it kind of uh we didn't have quite the need we normally have last offseason, at least in terms of quarterbacks needed. So this season, Trubisky over the last six games of the year completed 70% of his passes, was averaging almost 250 yards a game, had 10 touchdowns to five picks. Um, so yeah, like, you know, not mind-blowing numbers, but in that Chicago passing offense, we haven't really seen uh, quarterbacks be able to put up mind-blowing numbers. So there, there could really realistically be a team that believes the best is yet to come out of Mitch Trubisky. There could be a team that believe he's the next Ryan Tannehill. And I think for Mitch, it's very important where he goes. Because for me, like if I were Mitch, I would not be looking to cash in as much as possible, more so than I would be looking for an opportunity. And the reason for that <clears throat> is because I think that his future could potentially, his next contract after this one, if he plays his cards right and things pan out for him, could be upwards of 25 to 30 million. Yeah, I really think that's a potential. Uh, I mean, because if he comes out and has a good year, if he comes out and has that Ryan Tannehill season, like I was just talking about, then that's that's a guy that is going to get paid. All right, Cam Newton is another potential starter, at least in the short term. I know Cam's uh, numbers were not very good this past season. I know that um, we saw the laboring in his delivery at times, and I think that that shoulder is just kind of going to be what it is. I think you know, it, his arm strength has certainly deteriorated from what it once was. But I think his game as a passer has evolved from from what it once was. And I think that what he, what he can offer as a runner is still very much the same. I don't think he's lost a step at all in terms of what he can offer you as a running quarterback. But I think that definitely when you look at what he can do as a passer, it's uh, it's at least limited compared to what it once was. So I think, again, a team that's with a similar philosophy with to uh, Mitch in the terms of like maybe Cam Newton doesn't have the long-term upside that Trubisky has, but what he does have is most likely a shorter price and probably a – if you're on more of a team that you think can win right away, I think Cam Newton makes sense for you if he's a potential upgrade in 2021 at the quarterback position, which on certain teams – with a good you know, amount of offensive firepower, I think Cam would surprise people on what he could do, but I don't think that he's a long-term answer at this point because obviously that shoulder is only going to get worse from here, in my opinion, and I hate saying that, but I think that um, he's a guy that can still get you 10 rushing touchdowns as a quarterback, and he can still, I'd say, 
come out there and throw for another 20. So that's a guy that can go, that can go score 30 touchdowns for you pretty comfortably if you have a decent offensive line and some weapons around him in a good scheme. I think that that would be a guy, you know, that has bang for his buck in terms of uh, the short term, at least another guy. And this may be what is the most interesting guys on this list in terms of people that will actually hit free agency. And that's Jameis Winston. I know the saints have expressed interest in keeping him, but like, if I'm Jameis, I'm going to a team where I can start this year. Like I'm not doing the, the one more, you know, let's let's sit on the bench and and watch Drew Brees. Like if they, if Drew Brees comes back, which I'd be stunned at this point if he does, but if if he did, I think Jameis needs to go to a team that <clears throat> that he's the starter, or at least that he's in in the competition to be a starter for. I think his next contract. So you guys have probably heard me talk about if you've been following for a while, have heard me talk about the different levels of quarterback contracts to be signed, meaning. You can sign a camp body. I'm going to go from from lowest to highest, right? You can start sign a kind of a camp body uh, contract structure, which would be like somebody that we don't really expect to make the team. If you do, cool. If you don't, cool. We don't care. It's very very minimal deal, half a million bucks or whatever. Then you can sign a a um, backup, right? That would be the next level up, a backup quarterback contract, somebody that we expect to be our backup quarterback, somebody that we think can come in and win. Uh, you know, a game or two if we need them to as a as a starter. And uh, that would be, you know, whatever that would be, 5 to $10 million, depending on how good of a backup you are. And I might have skipped a level here, but I'm just going to go a little quicker. And then you can sign a compete to start deal. So that would be a deal more in the range of, uh, and for example, of a backup deal last year, Jameis Winston, he signed a low-level backup deal because he was technically their third option, right? I mean, they, they used... You saw in backup role, they used Taysom Hill. So Jameis was the guy that we were like, hey, that the Saints were like, hey, let's throw a, uh, you know, a million bucks at and see if uh, we can offer, we can balance out the value with the potential to learn from Drew Brees and the potential to say, let us get a year long look at you. and Maybe we'll just look at you as our long term guy. But in the short term, if anything happens to Brees, you'll come in during that game. But the next week it'll be Taysom Hill because we want to see what we have in that young man because we've invested more money in him. So I think um, <clears throat> Jameis is a guy that now is going to be more in that compete to start range in terms of contract signing at minimum, right? I think that compete to start money is where, where he'll be. So as you said, backups, backup money is anywhere from five to 10 million. Compete to start is one level above that. I'd say that's from eight to tw- eight to 15 million, to be honest with you. It's, it's a weird number because it really depends on the market for that player. But I think Jameis is right there in that eight to $15 million range. And um, if you get him to sign a multi-year deal at those numbers, he could really blow that out of the water in terms of what he can, what he could potentially become for you. Uh, Because he's, he's definitely got the talent as a former number one overall pick to be a high level starter in the NFL. I mean, he led the NFL in touchdown passes the, uh, in 2019, just a couple of years ago. So he's a dude that, you know, nobody questions the talent. And maybe now that he's had the eye surgery in a year to sit back and, and watch, which sometimes is really beneficial for guys, who knows? He may be a guy that comes in and dominates the league and turns into the next Ryan Tannehill-esque in terms of being a guy that was a cast off that now is a 30 plus million dollar a year annually guy. That's definitely possible with Jameis. <clears throat> Jacoby Percet and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Andy Dalton, I think, are right in that same range in terms of you can either sign him to be a backup, a quality backup, or maybe a compete-to-start guy in the right situation like New England. You know, let's just say that. And then a couple of guys I think are backups are Colt McCoy and C.J. Beathard. 
I mean, not even backups necessarily, but they're they're going to be right in that compete. Um, uh, sorry, camp body slash. They're going to be backups right in the in the conversation for backups or worse is basically what I'm getting at. So, four potential starters there in Dak, Mitch, Cam, and Jameis, and then the other guys are somewhere between compete to start and backup, and then. So, all right, running back position. Let's take a look at the running back position. I saw six or seven guys that I think could could really realistically be high impact bell cows for you. I mean, you got Kenyon Drake, you've got um, going down the list here, Leonard Fournette. Of course, we saw what he did in the playoffs, and uh, and Leonard Fournette showed that he is much better than what the you know most most consensus was in terms of what we thought about Leonard Fournette after he was released by Jacksonville. He's a guy that went unclaimed on waivers, came out. Now he's really played an integral part in that Super Bowl run for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think they'll want him back, but if not, there will be a market for Leonard. James Conner is a free agent. Marlon Mack is a free agent, of course, coming off an injury. Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones. And now you guys say, why would the Packers draft the backup running back? Well, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents, guys. Uh, and I could realistically see a, play, a, a scenario in which they both walk. Green Bay just says, hey, go. We'll get a third-round comp pick back for Jones, and we will get probably a fourth or fifth round back from Jamal Williams. So that's not that's not bad in terms of just allowing guys to walk after getting super value out of them in terms of where you drafted them and uh, what they've given you on the rookie contracts. And then Chris Carson is another one. So you've got James Conner, Marlon Mack, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake as guys that – can come in and be high-impact performers for you right away. And then you've also got James White, who's a nice scat-back type. Mark Ingram and Todd Gurley in terms of just number two options in the run game. Carlos Hyde, uh, Matt Breida, Mike Davis. We saw him come in and really play well. Le'Veon Bell, a guy that just a couple years ago signed a very, very high-end, uh, high-paying starter-level position at running back. So, You've got uh, several options like that that can come in. So the running back, I would say running back is a position that, unfortunately for them, is deep <clears throat> in terms of free agents, and it's and it looks okay from what I've seen so far in the draft. Remember, as a pro personnel guy, which is basically what we're going to try and the role we're going to assume here, we're going to take on a uh, balancing act of balancing the free agents with the depth at the draft. And, of course, right now, Early in the evaluation process for the draft, I don't necessarily know where it's deep, where it's strong to be, you know, thorough yet. I, I know, I know roughly, I know kind of what I've heard people say and things like that, but I really, honestly, don't even pay much attention to that. But point being, as the process goes on, I'm going to take a look at this list and say, okay, running back is, uh, you know, deeper than we need, so maybe that's going to push some guys that we have a second round grade on in terms of uh, our draft grade. Maybe that'll push some of those guys down, and it depends on, like, let's say maybe one or two of these starter-level running backs is still available after uh, free agency and even after the draft. That gives us even more options and less reason to spend a certain pick on a running back. So that's, uh, you know, Kenyon Drake, is Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, are and uh, Chris Carson are two of the most, and James Conner even, are really high-level options at running back, in my opinion. I think those are the most interesting guys in that market. All right, wide receiver, which is a pretty deep uh, group here. Allen Robinson, an elite wide receiver in my opinion. Kenny Galladay, somebody that's right up there in terms of that elite conversation if he can stay healthy. And then you've got Corey Davis. So I have, just so you guys know, I have 11 guys on this list that I think are starters in terms of at least 11 personnel starters, meaning the third wide receiver on any team. Like Curtis Samuel was a third receiver for the Panthers last year. 
He's on this list. Corey Davis, um, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin. Wow. That's like, just think about that. Okay. Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, Will Fuller, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin. And I think there's even more on here. Let me see. Okay. So <clears throat> Nelson Aguilar is another one that I definitely like. Marvin Jones, someone I like, you know, as a potential like short-term option to play, to come in and start for you. Josh Reynolds could even start in terms of 11, per, you know, being third option on a, on a team. I think he's definitely that kind of talent. Kendrick Bourne, Demarcus Robinson, Demir Bird, Des Bryant, Keelan Cole. I mean, there are some legitimate wide receivers here. And obviously we know that Rumor has it that the draft is strong at receiver as well. So, um, and from what I've seen so far, that definitely hold looks to be true. So, you've got some guys that, um, and Trent Taylor, who's if he doesn't sign with the Patriots, we don't even know what to do with him anymore because that just seems like something they're going to do. Brashad Perriman is another interesting guy. So, there's a lot of interesting guys at receiver. <clears throat> and if I'm the Tampa Bay Bucks, as good as Chris Godwin is, I don't think we necessarily need him. If we can get AB back for half the price, I think I'd rather do that, right? And I think that if Godwin is no longer there, I think Antonio Brown just takes on more of a role. I don't think that you look at Antonio Brown's production and you think, all right, we need somebody to replace Godwin. I think that you would look at that as AB will take on at least 50% of that Godwin role, you know, or maybe not quite that much, but I know Godwin is a high-level producer. But the point is, Antonio Brown, in my opinion, is still an elite player. Like I, I know his production wasn't necessarily this past year, but that's because he was in an offense that had other options and really just beat you whichever way they needed to. You know, so they, they were very balanced in that regard. And I think they'll be that way again. But I could see it being more of a Mike Evans, Antonio Brown show in terms of uh you know, if they bring him back and let Godwin walk. So Juju Smith-Schuster is somebody who I'm very interested to see the potential value on him because just a couple of years ago, I was arguing with people who thought he was a true wide receiver one, an elite talent, essentially. Like they, they maybe they didn't say elite talent, but they thought top 10 receiver in the NFL. I was never quite that high on Juju. I still believe he's a really, really good second and a great third option in any offense, though. And I, and I think that... Um, He's a guy that has incredible experience at the position for a young guy, too. So uh, his market will be very interesting. And I'd be interested to see how his market compares to someone like Chris Godwin's because they're basically their careers have kind of flip-flopped in terms of Juju started very strong. Godwin finished his rookie contract very strong. So that'll be interesting. Allen Robinson has said he wants a ring. I think he's uh, <clears throat> I think he's an elite talent. So I think he'll get elite talent money. Corey Davis is another wild card. Like he could get a serious contract as well. And I think, you know, being a former top 10 overall pick and being a guy that has the physical attributes that he has, and now a year, at least one year of high level production under his belt, I think he, he could surprise some people in the amount of money he commands as well. All right, tight ends. I think I have four or five guys here that I believe can start or at least contribute at a high level for you. That's Hunter Henry, Rob Gronkowski, who I think we all know will go back to Tampa. I couldn't see Gronk signing somewhere else, um, especially after Tampa gave a, what did they give, a third or fourth round pick for him in that trade? Okay, so Hunter Henry, Rob Gronkowski, Jared Cook, Gerald Everett, there's four. And uh, so those, I believe, are the four guys. And then Vance McDonald and Jordan Reed, I think, were the 
basically the 5A, 5B guys, and I think get one of those as a potential starter. I think maybe some teams will see both of them as a starter, but of course, Jordan Reed, it's all about can you stay healthy. Tyler Croft and Tyler Eifert, two guys that, you know, maybe even be able to starters as well. Jacob Hollister, Man, uh, Chris Manhurts, Trey Burton, Virgil Green, and Jeremy Sprinkle are guys that, that uh, are, if nothing else, they're solid depth additions. So the tight end, you know, sort of slim pickings compared to some other positions, but um, there are options there if you need them. Okay, offensive tackle. Obviously, one of the premier positions in the NFL. And um, you've got guys like Trent Williams, Russell Okung, Alejandro Villanueva. So those, to me, are the top three. Or no, I'm sorry. Maybe even the best option on this list is Taylor Moten, if you need a right tackle. But he could probably play the left side as well. I believe he did in college at, I think it was Western Michigan or something like that. I remember I liked him coming out, and I think... um, Maybe he was a right tackle, actually. But uh, speaking of right tackles, Cam Robinson. So Cam Robinson and Taylor Moten were two guys, obviously came out of the same draft or second-round draft choices. And um, they could be intriguing options. I think Cam Robinson will be – he'll have a little bit of a better market than some people uh, would imagine for him. And um, Taylor Moten should get really elite tackle money. But he's been kind of a slightly under-the-radar addition – or, I mean, uh, in terms of – how some people are talking about him as a free agent. So when you look at this group, right, you've got, let me count the starters, Trent Williams, Russell Okung, Alejandro Villanueva, um, Cam Robinson, Taylor Moten, Matt Filer, and um, Ty and Shecky, Daryl Williams, Jason Peters. These are all, I mean, you could have eight or nine starters here. You really could. I wrote down seven to be like a minimalist here to like at minimum there's seven starters because you don't want to you don't want to overestimate the market if anything you want to slightly underestimate it I think so um, but there are many many other guys here Mike Remmers, Tyson Brill, uh, Jermaine Effetti, Jason Spriggs, Julian Davenport, Sam Tevy, Cameron Irvin, you know Chaz Green that are potential back quality backups slash depth guys that, that you definitely need on the offensive line I mean we saw just a couple nights ago in that Super Bowl game what offensive line depth can do for you. You know, I mean, the, the Chiefs were kind of, uh, look, they were playing a, a right tackle at left tackle. Mike Remmers is an inside offensive lineman or a right tackle, and you're playing him at left tackle and asking him to hold up in one-on-one and pass protection. It's not the wisest move schematically, but it's also, you know, it's the, your lack of depth at the position made you play a right tackle at left tackle, you know, and that's, that's a tough, tough ask, right? So I think that, you know, getting a guy like, Jason Peters even is, you know, maybe he's not that high level starter, but he is a depth option that you could greatly benefit from in the event that you become a team like Kansas City and uh, you need you need a left tackle starter in a pinch. Jason Peters can come in and do that for you in a game, no doubt about it. So the the tackle market is relatively deep for, for an offensive tackle market. And um, depending on what you need and, uh, you know, there are definitely – options of all kinds, right? You got the young guys that, that are entering that big second contract territory if you want to invest highly. And you've got <clears throat> some veteran guys that, that Trent Williams, Russell Okung, Alejandro Villanueva, that can come in and give you quality snaps a, as well. So it's a nice market for offensive tackle. And I think that these guys are going to, most of these guys are going to find work relatively quickly. I think some of these guys, the depth options, we will see them floating around for a while. I just think because of the offensive, uh, I mean, the draft market and things like that, I think um, teams are not going to want to invest too much into some of these lower-level backup-level guys. So they could be on the market for quite a while. 
Okay, and then the interior offensive lineman that we have, I see eight to ten starters from this group, and that's that's a pretty high number. I mean, that's actually second most amongst any of these positions that I have written down as starters. And I left fullback off the list, guys, because typically you've got like you know one or two guys there, and you're you're not really going to draft fullbacks until day three, even late day three. So I didn't really include them into this breakdown, but um, but let's talk about these interior offensive linemen. So Brandon Sheriff. Obviously, the cream of the crop here. Uh, he's one of the best at his position in the NFL and and a guy that I think the Washington football team is going to want to bring back, but I'm not quite sure they'll be able to. I need to look at their cap space and things like that. But um, obviously, Sheriff is uh, top of the list here. Joe Thune is a guy that just came off a franchise tag, so his market value will be very, very interesting because a lot of times when a guy comes off the franchise tag, the agent wants to use the franchise tag salary for his baseline value, right? So being that it's a franchise tag, that's top five at his position, the average salary of the top five players at that position. So Joe Thuning is going to be commanding a top five salary amongst interior offensive linemen slash, you know, centers or whatever. Um, So, or I mean guards. So he may be a guy that we see float around for just a little while and then finally sign a deal. I'm not quite sure how good or bad he was in this past season, um, but he's typically been a really good player, so I could definitely see him of playing well. Uh, I just haven't. I'm not going to sit there and disrespect the guy by trying to give him a you know quote unquote grade when I haven't sat there and broken down his film. So, um, but definitely a top option nonetheless. Alex Mack, Mike Pouncey, Corey Lindsley available right now as it stands. John Feliciano is available. David Andrews is available. Uh, John Miller, a guy that started some games for Carolina, and they seem pretty relatively comfortable with starting him uh, for a season at guard. So that's uh, an interesting guy that could be a pretty decent value for you. And a wild card, someone to really keep an eye on is a guy named Forrest Lamp. So I'm not quite sure exactly what happened with him, but I know that I was ve- he was my interior offensive lineman one in the very first draft I ever scouted players in. And um Excuse me. And uh, he I think he had some bad injuries early on. And I believe he started some games this season for for the Chargers. I'm not again, same thing with Tooney. I'm not sure how he played or I'm not going to sit there and obnoxiously grade this guy when I haven't watched him myself. So, you know, he's someone that I think Bill Belichick would be very much interested in to come in and replace Joe Tooney because you could potentially get Lamp as that again, former first round pick. You know, a guy that has the upside that maybe he's never tapped into. Maybe you think you can get that out of him and you can probably sign him for a, a one-year cheap deal or what I would try to do and what I always like doing with these kinds of guys, the high upside guys, sign him to a two-year deal even if you got to pay a dollar more. You know what I mean? I think that's that's a wise move because if he comes out and dominates next season, which I could totally see happen because he has that level of talent, um, I think he's a guy that you know, could come out and uh, really command a very, very large amount of money. So it'd be nice to get him under contract for two years. That way you have that little piece of leverage in the negotiation if and when he does ball out this coming season. So um, there are several depth pieces in amongst these. I mean, this is like, yeah, this and wide receiver have easily the most guys that uh, that I think could come in and and at worst case, be quality depth slash backups, uh, and at best case, be starters that you don't have to pay a ton of money for, right? So, like John Feliciano is a guy that's a to me a legit starter, and someone that you wouldn't have to pay 
an arm and a leg for. You know, and I think there are several guys that fit that description on this list. I mean, you've even got guys like DJ Fluker. If you're, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, you could bring him back and just have him plug him in, right? Pat Elfline is the guy that I know Vikings fans are tough on, but, um, and they released him this year. <clears throat> but he's a guy that, you know, what if he gets in the right system with the right offensive line coach? Maybe he is a guy that you, you sign to a very cheap two year deal because, in the event that he becomes a decent starter for you, because he's a guy with starting experience. He's young enough to resurrect his career still. So he's someone that I think is, uh, you know, at least worth worth throwing some money at. And then, see, there are several guys, and this is what I like in terms of roster building, where you can sign a few of these guys, right, like Buffalo did last year. You can sign a few of these guys, and you cannot have that uh, disrupt your plan of drafting some. If it if and when the board falls in place for you to do so, right? So if you sign guys like John Feliciano, John Miller, you know, and Forrest Lamp, and then you still draft one in the first round, that's totally fine. You know, there's no there's nothing wrong with that, right? There, that's just bolstering up a position and bringing, if nothing else, quality depth. And guess what? If one of them doesn't pan out, or if one of them's the odd man out, you cut them. You know, if you like the rookie that much, so. Um, I like the depth at this position or at the, at the interior of the offensive line in this in this free agency cycle, and I'm excited to see how that matches up with the uh, depth of the draft and things like that. So, anyways, guys, that's what I've got for you in this podcast. I'm going to try and watch some players, and uh, I think what I'm going to do is watch more of the quarterbacks, the top quarterbacks, the alleged top quarterbacks in this draft, and tell you exactly how I rank those guys. I think I'm going to finalize, not finalize, but you know, come up with a much more uh, final-ish type of rankings in terms of the quarterback. So that's what you should look forward to today. And I appreciate you for listening as always, and I'll see you soon. Later.